Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, we thank you for your kindness and your love. We thank you for sharing your strength with us, that we might know how to live as men, but above all, become who you've called us to be, unique, unrepeatable images of you in this world. We lift up to you all those in this world who have been inundated by pornography in negative ways, obviously, and all those who have been arrested and all those who have been caught up in human trafficking and all those who have suffered from pornography, that your mercy would heal them and that we become men of a new generation, of a new way of living, of purity and goodness. Through Christ our Lord, St. John Paul II, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, guys, my name is Father Ryan Mann. I'm the, for all practical purposes, I'm the pastor at St. Basil the Great in Brecksville. And uh, first off, I just want to say, like, I'm just, I'm super proud of you guys for being here. Because <laughs> in my mind, I didn't pick this topic, it was given to me, right? So that's the first thing. And the second thing I thought, well, it's going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to have a good number of guys here, like, listen, it's out there, let's just figure this thing out. Or no one's going to come here and they're like, I'm not going to that room. You go in that room? No, I'm not going to that room. And I was like, so it's going to go either one of two ways. So I'm just grateful you guys are here. So thank you so much for being here. You know, the numbers are in, okay? Like, in case you haven't, like, researched this as much as I have... <laughs> All right. And, uh, and it was legitimate researching. Okay, guys. All right. Uh, it, but these are the numbers, right? $13 billion is the pornography industry. In fact, some people say if you add NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox, all of the revenues together, it's less than pornography. Right. So the amount of money that this industry makes is unbelievable. And that's important because with money comes influence. Right? So in one sense, people are like, oh, no, yeah, we shouldn't do it. But in the other sense, it's like, well, that, my, this guy's got a lot of money, and he says don't bother them with, with laws outlawing things. So pornography keeps getting generated. All right? The other thing is, is one-eighth of all Internet searches, so you, you know, Google, Yahoo, whatever, is for some form of erotic content. One-eighth. So think about that in a given week. Like how many times you're just searching for like, you know, a cat video on YouTube or whatever, or like, you know, you're looking for something for school, this and that. One-eighth worldwide is erotic content. 63% of men and 21% of women admit to several times intentionally seeking and viewing pornography in a week. So the numbers are in. So if you're someone who struggles with it or like you're just here because, you know, you got a friend, right? One of those reasons, like, you're not alone. And I want to say something I don't mean by that and something I do. What I don't mean by that is, well, therefore, just keep doing it. You're fine. A bunch of people are doing it. It's all good, right? Whatever. I don't mean that. But what I do mean is, like, sometimes it could be a shame. Like, am I the only one struggling with this? Mine is like, ha, 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 the guy showed me, like, this naked chick on a smartphone in between classes in the hallway or whatever. Like, am I the only one who's, like, struggling? Or am I, like, out of all my, like, all the guys at school, maybe some of them don't even seem to be bothered by it. But, like, I think, should I do this? I don't want to do this. It feels bad. Or I know my faith teaches me it's wrong, but I don't know, like, you're just not alone in this. So what I want to do today is I want to combine a bunch of different things. Some scripture and like church teachings, but some sociology and psychology. And at the end, I want to give you some practical tools so you're not just like, all right, I'll just, I guess I'll just try harder. The Catholic Church's advice to people struggling with sin has never, ever been try harder. In fact, if you want to know, in the fourth century, that was called a heresy. 
It's called the Pelagian heresy, which somehow that, oh, you just need to try harder. Have you tried trying harder? Not the church's teaching. Jesus wasn't on the cross. I'm like, if you guys just try harder. No, we can't. We need help. We need grace. We need friendships. We need encouragement. We need truth, goodness. We have needs that need to be met in order for us to become the men we want to be. So here's the first thing. Genesis chapter 2. What happened in Genesis chapter 2? Do you remember? Man. Go for it. Um, yeah, the, man. I think, I think the story of creation happens. Great. That's, yeah. So chapter 1 and 2 are the stories of creation. How is 1 and 2 different? Anyone know? Top of your head? This isn't like, although we are in a classroom, this isn't like school, right? Yeah. I think like, there's, I think the first, the first chapter is about, you know, like literally like building the world and doing all that. And then the second chapter is Adam and Eve's downfall, I believe. Close. That's chapter three. Their downfall is chapter three. All right. So what's happened? What's the difference in Genesis one and two? Anyone know two creation stories? One is like creating the whole world and everything and kind of like abstract, but two is like very intentional and like personal. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. So one is like on the first day this, second day this, third day this, right? The second one is like there's like God creates Adam, says it's not good, and then creates Eve, and you see like their experience together. So why don't you imagine this for a second? All right, you're Adam, you're alone in the garden. Everything's awesome, by the way, because you're in paradise. Your heart has no insecurities, fears, doubts, anger, unforgiveness, wounds, nothing. Your heart's full of God's love, and you're loving God in return. So like everything's good. You're not insecure. You're very secure in who you are and the purpose of life. Then what happens is, all right, what happens next is he puts you to sleep. God puts you to sleep, takes out the rib. Now you open your eyes and you turn and you see who? Adam sees who? Eve. And what is Eve wearing? A naked woman. This is the, guys, you got to sit with the Bible a little more. This is the first time a naked woman's ever been seen in the history of humanity. Okay? So you got to realize God's original plan in paradise before there was sin, when holiness was literally like seeping from trees, there was nothing wrong. There was a naked woman. Not a bad God, huh? Okay. So the idea of a naked woman is not the problem with porn. A naked woman is not what's wrong with porn. And the enjoyment of seeing a naked woman isn't not, is not what's necessarily wrong with porn. Because in the beginning, that's what was going on. Okay? So what happens is he sees Eve for the first time, and he says these words. Does anyone know the words he says on top of his head? Anyone know? My bone and flesh of my flesh. Boom. He says, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Good job. Meaning, hey, this one's a person. Right? He doesn't say like, oh, this one has boobs and I don't. <laughs> Notice how that's not what they saw in what's called original innocence. When a man was fully a man and a woman was fully a woman. What he sees is through her body is revealed an unrepeatable person. Eve. And when he sees this person revealed through the body, he recognizes this is someone I want to love and care for, not reduce to parts and enjoy. This isn't a toy to play with. This is a person to care for. And the reason this makes Adam so happy is he's made in the image of a God who loves and cares for us. And so when he's loving and caring for her, he's becoming like God and becoming who he is, an image of God. So in the beginning, nakedness was not like the occasion of sin. Nakedness wasn't a problem. 
Now, Genesis chapter 3, what did you call it? What did you say it was the, what did you call it? The fall. The fall, yeah. You had a cool word before. Demise? I think you said demise earlier. That's a good I saw you. We'll circle back. Downfall, yeah. We'll circle back. I saw your hand up. Remember your question. All right. Genesis 3, they sin. What happens? The serpent tells them this. You think God is a loving father? You think he's going to be there for you? No, no. God's holding out. His plan's going to make you mediocre and miserable. And so they're like, well, forget that. So they eat from the tree. And now what you see is how do they treat their bodies now? They run from each other and they cover themselves up. All right. They cover themselves with fig leaves. Where? In the most delicate parts, right? The fig leaves, which are not soft, are now covering the most delicate parts. So they're miserable, right? And trying to hide because their new experience of the body is this is bad and awful. Now notice, notice this, guys. A totally different experience of the body had just come into the world. In God's original plan, the body was seen as good. The attraction between male and female was holy. It was a part of God's plan. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Right? That doesn't mean like do math and have apple orchards. Like be fruitful and multiply was like, I am God's like, I'm calling you to become one. This is all a part of God's plan. Sin enters the world and the experience between men and women and our own masculinity and how we treat and think of femininity got all crumpled up. But Jesus came to redeem us, meaning he gives us the power to get back what was lost. All right, so we see this in Genesis, then in Matthew 5, 28. This is the most important teaching for us from Jesus about how to look at a woman. He said, you have heard them say you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at a woman so as to lust after her, You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. I'll say it again because they're Jesus' words. They bear repeating. You've heard it say you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you even look at a woman so as to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Now, if we're honest and we're in the year 2022, someplace in your heart says this first. Well, yeah, she's wearing yoga pants, Lord. What am I supposed to do? Right? Or you say, she's got the word pink on her butt. Where am I supposed to look? I'm just reading. Or uh, we wouldn't say it now because it's, uh, you know, 10 degrees outside. But you'd say in the summertime, like, uh, she's in a bikini. So Jesus, I'm not sure. Am I just supposed to, like, look up or down all day long? And be like, okay, yeah, no, this is great. I love being human. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing can be, oh, Jesus, you're telling me to even look at a woman? With lust, I'm committing adultery in my heart. It's like, great. <laughs> it's just such discouragement. Like, might as well give up now. Right? Thanks for the teachings. Thanks, church. I'm just going to go do my own thing because there ain't no way I'm going to do that. I want you to hear the words, not from Father Ryan Man, not from some random dude, but from Pope St. John Paul II. He's a pope and he's a saint. He writes a commentary in this exact line of scripture. He says, these are not words of condemnation, but a call. They reveal how much the power of Christ can transform us. When Jesus says, if you even look at a woman so as to lust after her, what Jesus is saying is, I can transform you so much that you won't reduce women to pieces and parts for pleasure, but you'll be able to see the unique, unrepeatable image of God, body and soul that each one is. You won't be moved to use and obtain 
You'll be moved to love and care and bless. You will become like God. Jesus has the power to do that. If you remember, he says, I come to give sight to the blind and set captives free. Gentlemen, we're all blind. None of us like lives in some sort of monastery somewhere on a hill. Okay? We all have been lied to and we all have issues with loving women rightly. But Jesus has mercy and he has power. Mercy so he won't condemn us and the power to transform us. But we have to ask. We have to admit we need help. We have to run to him. So the biggest obstacle to pornography, overcoming it oftentimes, is the belief that, well, like, who's it really hurting? It's not like I'm out there hooking up with all, like all these other guys are. I'm not raping anyone. I'm not kidnapping women and keeping them in my basement. But the real issue is, is it victimless? Well, if you, go, if you read the studies on it, first off, the overwhelming majority of girls who are in the pornography industry right, are struggling with drug overdose. They were human trafficked themselves. And they talk about feeling raped and used all day long when they're filming their scenes. But then you might say, look, I don't watch that type of stuff. I'm just watching like other things. Okay, well, who's the other victims? Well, first off, anytime a girl thinks the only way she can be beautiful is to arouse lust in a man, she's already believed the lie. Your sister, your friend, your future wife is out there right now believing the lie that what makes her valuable is giving a guy an erection. Not her intellect, not her soul, not how she prays, not her capacity to love and bless and sacrifice, not her ability to read and study, not her ability to perform a job, not her greatness as a friend, a daughter, a sister. But if she can give a guy an erection, that means she's valuable. I.e., there's women out there who can't, and therefore they have no value and they're useless. They shouldn't be around. That's the lie we perpetuate and affirm when we participate in the pornography industry. But I'll tell you, as I was preparing this for you guys, where my heart went out to was all of you. Like, if you call me Father Ryan, it means you're my sons. Right? And I was thinking, I'm driving over here. Not once in my life did my dad ever talk to me about porn. Now, my dad didn't believe in God. And now he's Catholic, but growing up, he didn't believe in God until I was in the seminary, like 23 years old. But he didn't believe in God, so he certainly wasn't going to church. And I think he, I don't know what he thought, but he apparently thought I never had to have a talk about internet use, pornography use, technology, et cetera, let alone girls or anything. Never a talk, ever. And so I thought, well, if I'm your dad, I don't want you to have that. So I want to tell you guys, you guys also become victims when you look at porn. Why? Because you guys get trained, formed, and taught that what makes a woman valuable is the sexual pleasure she can bring you. It's not neutral. This gets taught. And actually, neurologically speaking, it actually gets formed in your brain waves. That when you see a woman's body, certain parts of your brain light up. Right? The parts of like devouring food. That's the part that gets animated. Rather than the rational part of the frontal cortex, it says, here's a person who I'm called to care and love for with dignity and respect. You train your brain that way. Now, when you're in high school, not as huge of a deal. You're like, okay, that's awful. That sounds bad, but like, whatever. Guess what, though? You do it a couple times in seventh grade, a few pukes, eighth grade, ninth grade, more, 10th grade, more, 11th grade, a little bit more, 12th grade, a little bit more, college even more, no big deal, fine. Well, now you find a girl you actually want to marry. And guess what? You have eight years of habits of teaching your brain to think about a woman in a way that hinders your ability to actually love the woman you want to love. And so the very, your future wife wants to be able to be cared for and seen, and you're going to want to and not have the capacity to. It's like me, I'm five foot nine. I want to slam dunk a basketball and it's just never going to happen, all right? Because I don't have the capacity of five foot nine. That can happen, right? And it happens quite a bit. So 
what's the good news? What is the good news here? Well, it's this. There's so many stories online, and I recommend you YouTube at some point, just like overcoming porn story, <laughs> and just watch all these stories of men and women who were steeped in it and got out of it. So it's totally possible to live a porn-free life, totally possible to overcome it. I just want to tell you one story that I know of. This guy wasn't really religious at all. He technically, his family was Catholic, but he was like, whatever. You know, He probably would have never been found at a conference like this, whether his dad would have dragged him or not, or he wanted to go. He would have never been here. But he was like, yeah, he's like, I looked at porn a little bit in middle school, a lot in high school, even more in college. He's like, my senior year of college, I found the woman of my dreams. He's like, I went up to her and I said, hey, will, we go out, will you go out with me? She goes, no, I know the kind of guy you are. He's like, what's happening, baby? You know? And she's like, she's like, I know you've hooked up with girls a lot in college. I know you don't go to church. And I know you joke around about looking at porn. You're not the kind of guy. I think you're attractive. I think you're a guy. I just don't want to date. I don't want to date someone like that. He was crushed. So he went back to her like a couple weeks later. He's like, I still want to go on a date with you. Won't you out with me? She goes, all right, I'll make this deal with you. If you can go one year without looking at porn, she goes, and you read anything by Jason Everett or Christopher West on theology of the body and chastity, right, then I'll think about going on a date with you. This dude was so in love with her. He's like, oh, hell yeah, we can do that. And so he began. I guess he slipped like a few more times that first month as he was trying to get his act together. He started praying the rosary. He went to confession. He started reading things called Theology of the Body, reading books on chastity. He started going on different retreats. He could go on like men's retreats and one-day renewals. The one-year mark, he went up to her and he's like, I did it. She was so surprised that he would be willing to sacrifice and suffer, right? It was suffering to get out of that habit for her that she said, I knew I met my husband on our first date. Then a couple months they're married, they now have a few kids and they're happy as could be. Right? This woman's beauty and her challenge awoke in him what was truly masculine, the ability to grow and get out of this. So I want to give you guys a few practical things, right? And then I'll answer some questions. These practical things, um, I, I didn't realize it when I was putting it together, but it's an easy way to remember them. There are four things, and it's just the word man, like actually like my last name, M-A-N-N, because there's two N's. When I was putting it together, I didn't realize that first, okay? But afterwards, it worked out fine, so uh, don't think of me when you think of porn, but if you want to grow and heal, think of my last name to think about how to overcome it, okay? That will help a lot. So his name is Father Clifford Mantinger. Father Clifford Mantinger was the head exorcist of the United States for many years. He was the professor of the exorcism school up in Milwaukee, and I was at a conference with him. And he said that um, there's more demonic activity around pornography than most any other things. And he said, it doesn't mean that you're possessed if you look at porn. That's not what that means. But what it means is that it's an entryway where the powers of darkness can start really bullying you. Right? So how does he, how, what does he say? He said, he found that if, if men or women spent around 10 minutes a day of meditating on scripture, their power and freedom over pornography was increased a huge amount. Why? Because it took the powers of their imagination and their intellect and didn't apply it towards unholy fantasies, but applied it toward what was really real, God's word. And as they applied their mind and intellect, their, their soul began to grow with a hunger for more and more the beauty and love and plan of God. And then their own soul moved them towards God and away from sin. So M, meditate. Every day when you wake up, wake up 10 minutes early. Oh, Father, I'm always so tired. You're going to be tired for a million different things. Be tired for Jesus, all right? 10 minutes earlier isn't going to kill you. Wake up 10 minutes earlier, read the Bible, all right? Start with the Gospel of Matthew, 
every gospel passage has like a two-paragraph thing, then bold words. Just take each chunk, one a day, meditate on it for 10 minutes. M, A is accountability, right? First, we need to be accountable to God. So you got to get to confession as often as you can, as often as you need it, right? God gave you a body, and we're held accountable what we do with our body. And so we need to, tell, we need to go in the confessional and tell God through the priest, right? You gave me eyes not to look at women like that. You gave me a mind not to think of women that way. You gave me a penis not to masturbate with, but to make love to a wife one day. We need to be held accountable to God for the gifts he gave us. The more we're held accountable there, the easier it will be for us to live in line with our design and so walk the path of our desire to reach our destiny. So accountability to God and accountability to one other person. I knew some high school guys when I was doing, when I was in the seminary, I was doing some youth ministry and they called, they had their phrase. It was something like elephant was their word for like pornography and masturbation. And they were accountability buddies. They just checked in every week before they like before the week began on Monday and on Friday. Like, how'd you do this weekend? Elephant? And they're like, no, I was good. Like, way to go. It's like, no, I didn't go. All right, what happened? All right, and they would, they would pray with each other. And it was just someone else to step into the light with, right? The devil is like a cockroach. The more you shine a light, the more it runs away. So the more you can bring your soul into someone else's, like, bring will to pray with you, the more power and freedom you're going to have. So that's A, accountability. N, needs. You probably have noticed this if you have any younger siblings in middle school, but oftentimes middle schoolers and sometimes high schoolers aren't the best at knowing their own self. So you can ask middle school, hey, what'd you do this weekend? They're like, I don't know. You're like, you don't know what you did this weekend? They're like, um, I guess I saw a movie. Oh, what'd you see? Uh, I don't know. You don't know what you saw? You sat in the movie theater? You don't know what you saw? Like, I guess it was whatever. You're like, did you like it? You're like, eh. They're like, eh, yes, no, maybe. They have no idea. They're not in touch with their personhood. They don't know what they experience in life. It can be sometimes us as well. Like, have you asked your qu these questions if you've ever looked at porn? What time of day did I look at it? Why did I look at it? What was I hoping for? What was I seeking? What did I need? Chances are, right, because I've worked with a lot of men and women in this area, chances are almost zero times is it actually well, it's just kind of like horny. Almost always you'll find in your day, well, I felt really inadequate and insecure today because I didn't make the, I didn't make the varsity team. Or someone made fun of me at school, I didn't have a good comeback, and so I just felt like rejecting a piece of crap. Someone didn't care, you know, I, whatever it is, stressed, overwhelmed, burnt out, insecure, inadequate, angry. I didn't know what to do with all these things. I needed help to know what to do with them. And so instead of reaching out to someone who could help me, I turned to porn. Why? What does porn do? It's literally like a grenade on our hearts. It just numbs everything up. Kills it all so you don't have to deal with any of it ever. Well, guess what? You do that for your middle school years, high school years, and college years. You're emotionally 12 years old by the time you get out of college. We just don't know how to deal with it. You're not bad. You've been lied to. You're not wicked. You're weak. You're not bad. You're blind. You're God's sons. And so I'm trying to tell you, like, Stop for a minute and say, wait, what do I really need right now? What am I looking for? So needs, that's the first N. And then the last N is this, never give up. Venerable Bruno, venerable is on your way to becoming a saint, right? Venerable, uh, blessed, and then saint. Venerable Bruno Lantieri had a, has one phrase that captures his whole spirituality. Begin again. Begin again. He's like, oh, you fell? Okay, begin again. 
Right. Where's the drama? Like, don't wallow in it. Don't go, well, I already messed up. I guess I can mess up 10 more times until I get the confessional. No, begin right then. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm back to it. Okay, begin again. Begin. That's it. Never give up. Never give up. And if you stay in this battle long enough, a couple things are going to happen. You're going to grow out of it, for one. Two, you're going to be able to understand and have compassion on other people who struggle because you knew what it was like and you're going to be a man of compassion and wisdom. And three, you're going to be able to love women with freedom. Like, you're going to be able to see a woman who's attractive and beautiful and not try to use her, manipulate, play a game. You're just with all peace. You're going to be like, nah, that's a beautiful woman. And I'm so glad that I can look at her and love her the right way. These are all the blessings waiting for men who come out of the porn world. But those who are inundated, they'll never know. Every time they see an attractive girl, it's going to be filtered through the lust categories in their minds. They're going to be struggling. They're going to look away. They're going to be insecure. They're going to dominate. They're going to use. They're going to take. I don't want that for any of you. So I end with this final little uh, adage for you. Now, do you know what your soul is? The soul is the part of you that realizes your life is meaningful, full of hope and goodness. It's full of love and joy and beauty, has the capacity to be friends with many people. When that starts to die, what you feel in your life is loneliness, despair, insecurity, doubt, fear, and confusion. A soul death is miserable. It's true, biological health keeps you alive. But to stay alive and then be miserable because your life is meaningless is not good news. That's not what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life to the full, and he loves you guys. Every one of you can do this. Everyone is capable of living purely. It is a struggle, but if you remember, man, right? Meditate, accountability, needs, and never give up. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. St. Joseph, we ask that you come with Mary, the perfect woman, and teach us how to love. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.